This UCSD TV program is a presentation of University of California Television for educational and non commercial use only. I'm going to continue on the topic of uh, cooperation and altruism. I want to clarify some terms uh, before uh, launching in the talk in itself. Uh, we tend to consider four different outcomes of social behavior, selfish, altruism, cooperation, and spiteful. And generally, it is considered from the cost or the benefit it gives to the actor and so from this perspective it's easy to understand why individuals would be selfish or cooperative whereas it's a puzzle to understand the evolution of altruism and spiteful behavior as already mentioned. I just want to stress here that some people have actually focused more interest on the recipient side and if you look at them from this point of view, altruism and cooperation would have the same outcome, so that actually some people are using uh, the word cooperation when they actually are meaning altruism. And this has led to some of the confusion that has already been mentioned. As to be expected, and you are going to see it probably many times, the Hamilton rule uh, was... Uh, very influential in explaining uh, the evolution of altruism. And uh, the relatedness factor was the base of uh, this uh, kin selection theory. I want simply to remind people that you have also in this equation uh, the benefit and the costs of the behavior that is performed and that is actually strongly influenced by the ecological conditions under which the behavior is observed. And that's obviously where I'm going to concentrate uh, the, the rest of my talk. Examples of animal cooperation have been numerous. I'm just citing a few of them. Obviously, uh, Bob Hamilton was interested in understanding this puzzle of honeybees workers that are sterile but work all their life to help their sisters. And this was explained to be the classic example of kin selection. Even if we now know it doesn't always work that easily, it's still a textbook example for uh, the evolution of altruism through kin selection. The other one is also mentioned, cooperation, which some people call mutualism, uh, which is the classical case in hunting of hyenas, for sure, where the hunting success increases uh, with the number of hunters taking part in the hunt. The lions was a textbook example of cooperative hunting. Uh, more recent uh, observations have actually shown 
It is not the case in the sense that the individual success decreases when more lions are hunted together, and so it was mainly explained by a byproduct of sociality. I could go on listing some examples, uh, just simply we kind of could say that we all agree, uh, except that you may heard maybe already mentioned that it's not so easy, we all agree that you know, cooperation and altruism is observed in animals and in humans. But more recently, there has been strong claims in the literature trying to declare that cooperation and altruism is uniquely human, or is very special in human, and that so non-human animals will not be able to cooperate and be altruist. Some examples of a science paper by Ernest Fair and one of the collaborators about the puzzle of human altruism, where he is claiming very strongly that different from all other animal species, human altruism is very unique. And I wanted to stress that his claim was actually based only on data he has been using uh, with uh, European subjects, to be more precise, a student from the University of Zurich. <laughs> On the other side, there have been other series of claims from the other side saying, you know, as here, chimpanzees are indifferent to the welfare of unrelated group members. Here are the result from uh, Keith Jensen from Mike Tomazella's group in uh, uh, Leipzig, where they were saying chimpanzees are strict maximizers uh, in uh, replication of the ultimate game uh, done with chimpanzees. And what I want to say here that these claims here are again uniquely based on data collected with captive animals, one or at most for John Sieg's paper two groups. Why do we have such a situation? You know, on one side, people would say cooperation, altruism is seen in all elements, and this kind of a new trend, I feel, uh, where they are proposing this strong difference between humans on one side and the other animals on the other side. And I think uh, a lot of it rests on a strong underestimation of the ecology. Let me stress uh, this situation, and I think uh, a part of the problem is uh, I'm sure I'm fully aware that nobody is going to claim I am following the ideas of René Descartes, who said that 300 years ago. But basically, this Cartesian approach is kind of implicitly accepting the fact that whatever the social ecological conditions that an individual uh, of any species is confronted with is not going to affect the cognitive development, and therefore the expression of some of the behaviors they are presenting. And one of the most typical uh, example of this attitude uh, is the acceptance in some scientific circles without any discussion of data from captive animals as being representative for the whole of the species. Whereas on the other side, the Darwinian approach, a more evolutionary approach, would actually predict that we should see differences in the cognitive achievement at 
seen in a species as a function of the socio-ecological condition faced by the individuals. And so we need to look at cognition as, you know, also an ecological adaptation. Let me give you a very few examples of uh, the importance of the ecology on the expression of altruism in humans. Uh, maybe some of you know the work of Joe Andrich and many other people where they have been reproducing this dictator game where the game is basically where you give an amount of money of one individual and he has to share part of it to another individual that he knows is around but he doesn't know who it is. And when you do that in Europe, in the US, people will share on average 40% of the money they have received. And economists were viewing that as a proof of the very strong sharing tendency of humans because they were assuming that humans are purely selfish individuals would maximize the economic reward and they should not share anything. And this was the base, you know, of a long discussion. Uh, Joe Enrich actually compared the sharing tendencies his game in 15 different human groups. <laughs> the American group was about 40 for to 45%, and there is actually then a tremendous decrease of the proportion of the money individuals receive that they are going to share. And on the extreme side here, you would have the Adza, the Tsaminane, uh, that are sharing around 20% only. So you see a strong difference, and this difference has been explained by the tendency of economic integration in those societies. So there was you know, a kind of an ecological explanation for this difference we observe. So there were economists, Levitt and List, have been making um, a small breviary in science two years ago, uh, making us aware of the problems that economists are facing when they try to understand humans' behavior in real life compared in the laboratory. You know, if you think that all U.S. and European students, when they got money, share 42% of the money with unknown individuals, you, as humans, you know, member of the species human, you should realize that there is something that is wrong there. Because whenever I go in the street, even in San Diego, asking for money for a very charitable interesting causes, I will ne never get money for 40% of the money people have in their pockets from all everybody there. So obviously economists having the big advantage of uh, other disciplines, economists know how humans behave. So they could realize that actually when you put a human in the lab, he is much more generous than he is in real life. And so there is obviously a problem when you want to kind of uh, compare that. So what I wanted just to say with those two examples, and I have many more, I think you know, in humans there is a strong case you know, that the ecology is playing a very important role in our tendency 
to cooperate or to be altruistic. And so, since we all know, you know, chimpanzees are our closest living relative, uh, what we observe of the importance of ecology in the expression of altruism in human may have a similar effect in chimpanzees. So here, the group hunt tendencies of chimpanzees when they are hunting red colobus monkeys in, their, in each of these sites. The Gombe chimpanzees, the Mahale chimpanzees, the chimpanzees in Thai I've been working with, and the chimpanzees in Gogo, where John Mitani has been working. And you see a very strong differences between the three populations. In Gogo, they hunt in group, when they hunt almost 100% of the case. Whereas in Gombe, when they, they hunt in group, about, I think in 30% of the case only. So there's a huge difference. And the second graphic, where you only see it's about collaborative hunting, when the chimpanzee is hunting group, how frequently do they organize themselves in performing different complementary roles between the hunters. There is also huge differences in the proportion of the chimpanzee males to organize them as a collaborative hunt, where in 75% of the cases, the hunt, group hunting in Thai is collaborative. In Mahale and in Ngogo, uh, the researchers have never seen this kind of collaborative organization, whereas in Gombe it is seen in one-third of the group hunts. So here again a strong difference. Uh, the explanation was mainly that the hunt taking place in the trees, the structure of the forest can have a huge importance on the success of lone hunter. So if the forest is an interrupted canopy, you can actually corner the prey in an interruption of the forest and the prey are much more easy to capture. Whereas if you have a continuous forest like in the Thai forest, you absolutely need to organize yourself as a group to be successful. Uh, we have seen in the wild three main ecological contexts under which chimpanzees cooperate it's a territorial defense that is seen in all chimpanzees, as Christopher Böhm already mentioned, collaborative hunting, that is a function of the difficulties of obtaining a capture, and predator defense, which is obviously also a function of the intensity of predation pressure on the chimpanzees. And in Thai, this is a very important aspect. Here, the sharing tendency uh, of the chimpanzees, when on the left, sharing for meat, and the meat sharing uh, is a very interesting one because half of the events of meat sharing is active, the meat owner facilitating the access to the meat in Thai chimpanzees, whereas it is much less frequently active in Gombe chimpanzees. And the fascinating aspect in Gombe chimpanzees is that uh, they are kind of explaining meat sharing through harassment in the sense that the beggar would make some gestures preventing meat owner from eating. And we have never seen that in uh, Thai chimpanzees. And another graphic, uh, seeing, comparing the tendency of the chimpanzees to shared 
tool acquired food. In Thai, here you have an histogram showing that when they are cracking nuts, mothers share actively a lot of the nuts they acquire. And on the right side, Gombe termite fishing, where termites are never shared actively by the mother with their infant. A very interesting, very surprising result. Altruistic adoptions. Chimpanzees, uh, obviously, uh, mothers may die, and in half of the case in the Thai forest, the orphans are adopted by another group member, and in half of the case of the adoptions, it's a male that is adopting the orphans in the Thai chimpanzees. And in these two cases, uh, we could actually test for genetic paternity and show that these two males adopting the babies were not the father of the infant, and they were a true case of altruism. So we showed four contexts where food sharing happens regularly in chimpanzees for rich clump food. Uh, adoption is seen also in all chimpanzee population. Uh, we may have a higher tendency of male adoptions by Thai chimpanzees than in other population, but female adoption is also common. Uh, infants that are in very threatened situation, especially here when facing leopards or when facing neighboring groups, uh, can be uh, rescued, helped by other group members. And another very intriguing case is the tending of injured individuals that in Gombe has been seen to be strictly restricted within closely related individuals, mother, infant, or siblings, whereas in Thai, it is spread out throughout the whole group and can be provided for many weeks. To just come back on the question of how we can use captive data to understand cooperation and altruism, all the experiments done with chimpanzees on cooperation and altruism have basically uh, provided very mixed results uh, in different, different cases. However, none of them have tested the individuals in the ecological context relevant to wild chimpanzees. And therefore, I think the ecological validity of captive study is extremely questionable uh, when you want to understand cooperation and altruism. Take home message. I think if you want to make claims about altruism and cooperation, we have to be very careful and be population-specific and ecological-sensitive when we make this comparison. And this is even more so if you want to compare between species. To me, nowadays we have no data showing that cooperation or altruism is uniquely human, as so many people are starting to claim. And to me, I think there is a strong signal showing that actually in both chimpanzees and humans, ecological factors are very important for the understanding or the expression of altruism. I thank you for your attention.